Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. What I'm about to go through might be a little disturbing for some. It could be a wake-up call as well, and it most certainly will leave you wondering just how far we've come in this country to genocide. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm really not. But this podcast is always on the hunt for truth. I'm, I'm going to present the 10 stages of genocide and let you determine for yourself just how far we've come in that process. These steps come directly from Gregory H. Stanton, who is president of Genocide Watch. And while his his steps of genocide are are strong and historical, I, I think his suggested actions that we should take are a, a little weak. He his his specialty, his expertise is is in what genocide is, not necessarily how to deal with it. So basically he suggests that that we need governmental controls at each step. And it it is interesting though that he also admits that this looks really good on paper, but does not really work in practice. So so I'll let him be the expert on the steps of genocide. And then I'll provide some comments as to what we should do and what has been done and that type of thing. So he starts out with an important statement. Genocide is a process that develops in 10 stages that are predictable, but not uh, inexorable. At each stage, preventative measures can stop it. The process is not linear is what he's saying, though. Stages may occur simultaneously. So some of these 10 stages aren't necessarily, you know, it doesn't go from one to two to three. It, sometimes maybe stages two and three might be combined. They might be happening at the same time simultaneously. Um, they might, uh, you know, logic, logically later stages must be preceded by the earlier stages. So in that way, you know, two and three have to occur probably before step, step nine, Right. Um, but all stages continue to, to operate throughout the, the process. So l- let's get right into it. Step one, and that is classification. All cultures have categories to distinguish people into us and them uh, by e- ethnicity, by race, religion, or nationality. Um, examples of this would be uh, German and Jew. Uh, he, uh, Hutu and Tutsi, uh, bipolar societies that lack mixed categories, such as Rwanda or Burundi, are are the most likely to have genocide. Now, I will say that in the U.S., an emphasis on the common language of English could help people understand each other better. Uh, when we can't communicate, uh, we will divide and fall. I mean. Uh, look at how the mighty society of Babylon fell. It it only took God giving them many different languages to see that this once dominant people just simply fell apart with that one thing being changed. Uh, having a common goal to rally around, such as 
uh, a pride in one's country can also help. You know, we're able to, to work together as a team, regardless of the race or the category that we find ourselves in. An example of this is when someone says that, you know, we need a, a woman or a, a person of a particular race on a, uh, a board or a committee. Uh, they will say that they are there to represent the black community or, or give uh, a woman's perspective to that organization. Well, why wouldn't we work for all people and not just for the particular race or gender that I am? If I said that I was, let's say, on, on a school board to only work for white male kids, <laughs> would that be okay? No, of course not. So step number two, symbolization. We give names or other symbols to the classifications. We name people Jews or gypsies or distinguish them by colors or dress and apply the symbols to members uh, of groups. Uh, classification and symbolization are universally human and do not necessarily result in genocide unless they lead to dehumanization. When combined with hatred, symbols may be forced upon unwilling members of pariah groups, the yellow star for Jews under the Nazi rule, the blue scarf for the people of the eastern zone of Khmer Rouge, uh, Cambodia. And I will say one of the first things that you learn in military strategy is divide and conquer. We've all heard that, right? Uh, if you're trying to take out an enemy, uh, a very good way of doing that is called divide and conquer, uh, where you want to divide up your enemy in, into smaller groups, and then you are able to conquer them more easily. Um, symbolization is a way to divide people. Leftists are really good at this. They like to divide us into victim groups. If you are a part of a group that you see as a, as a victim, then you are really more likely to be motivated to do something about it. The, the motivation can oftentimes be used by others with ulterior motives. They will set themselves up as a hero and the solution to your problem. <laughs> I mean, we see this all the time, even in like ad agencies. Ad agencies use this quite a lot. Um, and, and I'm not saying they're trying to conquer us, but they're trying to get us to buy their products, right? And, and they will tell you that the worst thing in the world is to have someone see your dandruff on your shirt, right? I mean, I mean, what could be worse than having someone see some white flakes on the shoulders of your shirt? They're just it's just mind-blowing that there could be anything else worse than that. And then they set themselves up, of course, as the solution. All you need to do is buy head and shoulders, and all is right with the world after that, right? <laughs> see, so it, you, it, it's, it's the same principle. We divide, we conquer, we set ourselves up as a hero, and then we provide the solution. And that gives us power, and it gives us meaning. All right, so then number three, discrimination. A dominant group uses law, custom, and political power to deny the rights of other groups. 
The powerless group may not be accorded full civil rights, voting rights, or even citizenship. The dominant group is given is driven by an extraordinary ideology that would uh, deprive less powerful groups of their rights. The ideology advocates um, an expansion of power by the the uh, do- dominant group. It legitimizes the victimization of weaker groups. It advocates um, of of exclusive type of ideologies. Uh, and, and these are often characteristics of this type of thing. Expressing resentments of their followers, a, a, attracting support from the masses. Examples of this include the Nuremberg Laws of the 1935 uh, Nazi Germany regime, which stripped Jews of their German citizenship and prohibited their employment by the government and by universities. Denial of citizenship to the uh, Rohingya uh, Muslim minority in Burma is a current example of this, is what he gives. Now, he says prevention against discrimination means full political empowerment and citizenship rights for all groups in a society. Discrimination on the basis of nationality or ethnicity, uh, race, or religion should be outlawed. Individuals should have the right to sue the state, corporations, or other individuals if their rights are violated. And this, I would say, is exactly why our founding fathers pushed so hard for no taxation without representation and and, and other policies that help make people equal in our society. Leftism today preaches that blacks and the vaccinated should have special privileges. In fact, many of the onerous laws and policies that are made by our our federal legislature and even bureaucrats have exemptions for themselves. I mean, they pass laws that that are you know that you and I would think onerous uh, that that change how we do things or um, you know it, it would take money out of our pockets, and yet they aren't held to those same laws. They are exempt from them. Black Lives Matter. Uh, they, they, they call for reparations. This is, a, this is another example of this. Uh, another example is when private companies um, or government grants or university admissions or even job hiring policies are based on the color of someone's skin. I mean, if, if you are white, then you don't qualify. You don't qualify to get into that university. You don't qualify to, for for grant money from that company. You don't qualify for for uh, you know uh, a hiring for that job or or that government grant. Why? Because the color of your skin is that it's lacking pigment. <laughs> All right, moving to dehumanization. One group denies the humanity of the other group. Members of it are um, are equated with animals, vermin, insects, or diseases. Dehumanization overcomes the normal human um, repulsion against murder. Uh, at, at, at this stage, hate propaganda in print and on hate radio is used to vilify the, the victim group, 
the the majority group is is taught to regard the other group as less than human and even alien to their society they are indoctrinated to believe that we are better off without them the powerless group can become so depersonalized that they are actually given numbers rather than names as jews were in the death camps of course they are equated with filth and impurity and immorality. Hate speech fills the propaganda of official radios, um, newspapers, speeches, all of this. It's anything coming out from, from a government source. Now, I would say that we have seen this in history when many uh, armies uh, make up names for their enemies, like like Jerry or Gooks or things like this, so so that they can dehumanize them to the point that they can actually kill or destroy them. Um, some of you know of the uh, story in World War One, where um, you know the the German uh, side uh, and the English side were uh, fighting, and and it, it was embedded in a, in a real trench war, of course, of World War One, and uh, and and there was kind of an unofficial cease fire um, amid one area where they actually went across and they even exchanged almost like Christmas gifts with each other. And they got to see, you know, the other side as being human. And, um, and when, after that was over and Christmas was over the next day, they were supposed to go back to fighting. Um, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it very well. And all of those men had to be taken off the line and replaced with others because they, they just couldn't see them as anything but human at that point. Um, and, and so th- that's what, that's what we see uh, happen throughout history. And even, even today, um, we, we can see it strongly today in our social media institutions. If, if you are saying something other than what the approved speech is, then, then your band are canceled. I mean, this, the solution to this is free speech, not hate speech. The problem is that when you start controlling hate speech, then who defines hate speech? I mean, is, is it Facebook? <laughs> is, it, is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Uh, is it the government? Uh, who defines that? What, what we are talking about here on this podcast could be classified as hate speech to some. And, and the solution is making sure truth can be spoken. When free speech is squelched, dehumanization begins. For example, if, if you question the, the mandating of an unapproved vaccine, then you're classified as an anti-vaxxer who is killing those around you, and you need to be silenced. It, it, it was not long ago that one of the most popular songs in this country justified the killing of a wife beater. Now, now I'm not, I am not condoning. Let me make this perfectly clear. I am not condoning physical abuse. Okay. Not condoning that at all. But to justify someone's murder is dehumanizing and another step in genocide. So number five, organization. Genocide is always organized, usually by the state, often using militias to provide uh, deniability of the state's responsibility. For example, um, is the uh, Sudanese government's support of uh, arming the uh, 
Jan Jan Waweed in the uh, Dufur area. Uh, sometimes organization um, is is informal, such as the Hindu mobs led by the local RSS militants during the uh, Indian uh, participation, uh, or um, how about uh, desensitized uh, groups such, such as um, the jihadist terrorist groups? Special arming units or militias are often trained and armed, and arms are purchased by states and militias, often in violation of U.S. arms embargoes and all these things, um, to facilitate the acts of genocide. States organize secret police to spy on, arrest, torture, and even murder people suspected of opposition to political leaders. Special training is given to murderous militias and special army killing units. Now, now I'll say this, this is one of the reasons that, that open and fair elections are so, so important in this country. When the people of a country have the ability to vote out of power, those that abuse their position, then it holds those leaders accountable. Using government agencies to empower and control is very dangerous. When President Barack Obama spied on Donald Trump's campaign to give that information to, to the Hillary Clinton campaign, uh, that was an example of this. Obama used the IRS even to go after faith-based and, and conservative organizations, for example. Even Joe Biden uh, is doing this same thing currently, using the IRS against his opposition. All right, so moving uh, to polarization. Polarization is another step. And extremists drive the, um, the, the groups apart. Hate groups broadcast polarizing propaganda. Um, motivations for targeting a group are indoctrinated uh, through the mass media. Laws may forbid intermarriage or social interaction. Extremist uh, terrorism targets um, moderates and intimidating and silencing the center. So those that are kind of in the center don't want to be a part of this. Um, they're intimidated into, into getting off the fence. Uh, moderates from uh, the uh, perpetrator's own group are most able to stop the genocide. So they are the first to be arrested and killed. Leaders are in, in targeted groups are the next to be arrested and murdered. The dominant group uh, passes emergency laws or decrees that grant them total power over the targeted group. The laws uh, erode fundamental civil rights and liberties. Targeted groups are disarmed to make them incapable of self-defense and to ensure that the dominant group has total control. Now, I'll say that polar polarization is why the Second Amendment is so important. Now, a country that has an armed citizenry is unable to infringe on their God-given rights very quickly. Venezuela is a, is a, is a really good example of this uh, for modern-day times. The, the first thing they did was ban all weapons. And you know, we see even today, uh, Australia. I, I had a, a conversation not long ago with uh, somebody who was from Australia, and they didn't see the problem with disarming uh, the, those citizens of Australia. Um, and, and they, they took that step to ban the guns there. It wasn't that long ago, just a few years ago. And now currently there, there, there was even, uh, I, I saw just the other day, uh, an, an incident where they're, they're literally arresting old men 
in 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 parks in public parks for not wearing a mask. Uh, it's it's it, it's a downhill slope that goes very quickly. All right. So number seven, um, and we see that uh, uh, that the plans are made for genocide killing um, through through preparation, uh, national or um, predator group leaders plan the final solution to the, the Jewish, Armenian, Tutsi, or other targeted group groups in question. They often use uh, euphemisms to cloak their uh, intentions, such as referring to their goals as ethnic cleansing or purification or counterterrorism. Uh, they build armies. They buy weapons and train their troops and militias. Um, they indoctrinate the populace with fear uh, of the of the victim group. Leaders often claim that if we don't kill them, they'll kill us. Uh, this disgusting genocide, um, and, and it, it's it's really looked at as self defense. Acts of genocide are uh, discussed as a counterinsurgency uh, if there is an ongoing armed conflict or civil war. Uh, there is a sudden increase in inflammatory rhetoric and hate propaganda with the objective of creating fear of the other group. Political processes, uh, such as peace accords that threaten the total uh, dominance of the genocide, genocidal group or upcoming elections that may cost them their grip on total power, may actually trigger genocide. Um, and, and I say that, that we see examples, again, of this with the COVID vaccine. Those that have chosen not to get the vaccine for whatever reason are demonized and, and said to be extremely selfish. They are said to be killing poor grandma and, and not caring about it. Uh, there's, there's no discussion on whether or not they had the virus and they have antibodies. There's no discussion about that. The only thing that matters is that if you had the virus or you have not had the virus, um, or you, you, I'm sorry, the vaccine, you've, you've had the vaccine or not the vaccine. That's the only thing that matters to them. The CDC is given power um, that they have no right to have. They are put in charge of public policy at this point under the Biden administration, which is something that the CDC is definitely not prepared to have. So persecution is number eight. Victims are identified and separated out because of their ethnic and religious identities. Uh, death lists are drawn up. In, in the in-state sponsored genocide, members of victim groups may be forced to wear identifying symbols. Uh, their, their property is often seized. Sometimes they're even uh, segregated into ghettos. Um, deported into concentration camps or confined in a famine-struck region and starved. They are deliberately deprived of resources such as water or food in order to slowly destroy them. Programs are implemented to prevent uh, procreation through forced sterilization or abortions. Uh, children are forcibly taken from their parents. The victim groups' uh, basic human rights become systematically abused through the uh, extrajudicial killings, uh, torture, and, and forced displacement. Uh, genocidal massacre begins. And they are, uh, they are acts of genocide because they are intentionally uh, destroying part of a group. The um, perpetrators watch for whether such 
massacres meet any international reaction? And if not, they realize that the international community will again be bystanders and permit another genocide. And 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 I, I th- what brought this to uh, to mind when I was I was going through this was uh, a couple things. Number one. Planned Parenthood. <laughs> you may say, what? But Planned Parenthood was set up to control the black population. I mean, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, started uh, stated that that this was the very reason that she formed the organization. You can actually go back and you can, I, we did a whole podcast on this just not too long ago. You can go back and, and you can see all the details. But if you, if you look even to this day, uh, almost 80% of all Planned Parenthood surgical abortion facilities are located within walking distance of an African American or or Hispanic Latino neighborhood. Um, it, it is it, it is one of those undeniable things, and 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 it definitely falls within this category. The other thing that that I would agree with here too is how at this point, you know these these types of of leaders will will form. Uh, people into little communities that are more easily controlled um, and, and trying to get them to all live together. When, when I was in Slovakia, um, one of the, one of the weirdest things, I guess, the most surprising things, I guess I'll say is, is when uh, you would see some of these really cute European villages and you, and, and they're just exactly as you, as you, you would, envision them before you go um you know these these little cute little uh houses and and you know big steeple in the center or whatever and and uh all all this um you know uh, farmland around uh the the community but there's one thing that stuck out like a sore thumb and that was the ghetto right next door uh the communists uh, of the soviet union had had uh, rounded everybody up and forced them into these these ghettos and they're just concrete villages where everybody was given an apartment. Hey, it was free, but you had to go and you could no longer live by yourself. You had to live with everybody else where you were more easily controlled. And so that definitely existed. Number nine, extermination begins and quickly becomes the mass killing uh, legally called genocide. It is the um, extermination to the killers because they do not believe their victims are fully human. When it is uh, sponsored by the state, the armed forces often work with militias to do the killing. Sometimes the genocide results in revenge killings by groups against each other. And this uh, obviously starts creating a downward uh, whirlpool like cycle uh, where, you know, where both sides are just killing each other. Um, this, this is so sad when this happens. We see examples of this today in Iran. Uh, they kill anyone who is found to be Christian or homosexual even. Uh, instead of, of taking a stand against these kind of atro- atrocities, the Biden administration is actually looking uh, to approve uh, the leader of Iran uh, to come for a visit to the, to the country. Um, and lastly, denial. That's number 10. Denial is the final stage that lasts throughout and always follows genocide. It is among the, the surest indicators uh, of further genocide massacre. The perpetrators of genocide dig up uh, mass graves, they burn bodies, they try to cover up the existence uh, and, and uh, in, intimidate, intimidate witnesses. They den- deny that they committed any crimes and often blame what happens on victims. They block investigations of the crime and continue to govern until driven from power by force. When they flee to exile, uh, they uh, there 
they remain you know, with impunity, you know, like Pol Pot, uh, Idi Amin, uh, unless they are captured and um, you know obviously tried by tribunal. A tribunal. Uh, I will say that uh, this on this last point that um, that we we have a constitution and a bill of rights for a reason. We live in a country unlike any other in history. Our founding fathers were geniuses, and they understood human nature very well. They they also looked to history, and and they could see what happens when um, power is put in the hands of people that shouldn't have it. On the other hand, experiment, experiments in total democracy, like Greece, let's say, failed miserably. So they created a system of government, a republic, that allowed its citizenry to choose its leaders. At the same time, these leaders were con- constrained by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. These documents help preserve the God-given rights of all humans in this country. Without them, we are ripe for abuse of power and genocide. So the next time someone tries to tell you that this country is systematically racist, that the institutions of this country have been that need to be torn down and rebuilt, you remind them that this is exactly how we get to total genocide. Now, you may agree with me. You may disagree with me. I would definitely love to hear from you. And you can do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.